The following audio is from New City Church Milledgeville. More information on New City Church Milledgeville is available at www.newcitymilledgeville.org. And that uh, will be in, like I said, Genesis 4, verses 1 through 16 is where we'll be spending most of our time. Let me pray for us, and then we'll jump in. Father, you are good and gracious to us in all of your ways. Father, we... We experience just your abundance of love, Father, in ways that we don't even see, that we can't even imagine. And so, Father, we pray this morning as we open up Genesis and we look all the way back thousands and thousands of years ago at the work that you were doing at the very beginning of time, God, that you would be reminding us of your faithfulness and your graciousness. God, we struggle being faithful on a daily basis, and you have been faithful for thousands and thousands of years. God, you are worthy to be praised. We pray this morning that as we, as we look at this text, as we consider who we are and who you are, God, that you would remind us that we can take our rest and our comfort in you because you are gracious and you are faithful. We love you, Father. We commit our time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I'm going to give you the three points and the big idea um, for all of you note takers, and hopefully Braden Dowdy is not here. He is not here. He told me that I needed more sub points, and I didn't get sub points in the sermon, so he won't be disappointed this morning. Uh, but I will be adding sub points uh, next week because Braden asked me to. Uh, so, uh, point number one Cain's desire is our desire. Cain's desire is our desire. Point number two is God's desire. God displays his grace. God displays his grace. And point number three is God offers his grace to you. So those are the three points. You'll see them come up in the sermon if you didn't, didn't get it written down. Here's the big idea. God's grace and faithfulness is bigger than your sin and rebellion. God's grace and faithfulness is bigger than your sin and rebellion. That's what we'll see with Cain and Abel. So we'll, we're picking back up verse, uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. And when we left off in Genesis, because we kind of took a break, and that's how we're doing Genesis, in, in case you haven't heard that, uh, Genesis is a massive book. And so we're going to spend six to eight weeks in Genesis. Then we'll take a break and jump into a different book or a different uh, section, and then we'll come back to Genesis. So that's what we're doing this morning. We're coming back to Genesis. And where we left off in the story, God had created all things, suns, stars, moons, planets. And on our planet, he had created mountains, trees, birds, bees, all living things, and he designed a paradise, a garden called Eden. And in that garden, he created Adam and Eve, the first man and woman. Adam and Eve were perfect in every way, perfect in appearance, perfect in love, perfect in work, perfect in community. In every way, they were perfect. Satan entered the garden, tempted Adam and Eve to reject their creator, and they gave in to sin. The whole world fell. God, in his gracious love, did not destroy everything because of sin. Instead, he promised to send a redeemer who would right all things and restore creation and his people back to the Father. And then we turn the page to where we pick up this morning. We encounter the next significant thing in history. Adam and Eve have a son, and then they have another. 
First son is Cain, the oldest son, followed shortly later by Abel. Let's read our passage. Verse 1, Genesis chapter 4. Now Adam knew his now Adam knew Eve, his wife. That means they had sex. And she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of the fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you so angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground, and now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. And Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain's desire is our desire. We don't have enough time to go through all of the interesting things in this passage, but I did want to start off with one of the questions that we often get tripped up by when we're studying through these verses. Why did God reject Cain's offering? Why Cain's? In counseling, one of the things that I always look for is what is the question or thought behind the question or statement you just made? Essentially, what's the question behind the question? You see, we often ask a question, but it's not really the question we want to ask. I think we often approach this passage and others like it like siblings in a family. I'm sure this is true of your family as well. Uh, but it is definitely true my family. If a kid gets in trouble, the other kids want to know why. What did he or she do? I found there are several different reasons kids want to know what other kids did, but here are the top three. One, they don't want to make the same mistake. Two, they want to judge the actions or the response of the parent. Now, this is especially true as kids turn into teenagers. Right, parents? Teenagers? Three, they feel justified in their own actions. But what is the real intent 
behind these three reasons? What's the question behind the question? What's the motivation behind the response? One, not make the same mistake. This is usually the motivation. I don't want to make the same mistake because I don't want to suffer. I don't want to make the same mistake because I want to follow the rules. And when I follow the rule, when I follow the rules, bad things don't happen to me. So if I, I can just know enough, then I can gain control over myself in the situation. Two, judge the actions of the parent. I, I'm not sure your response was fair there. The other kid did something similar and you responded in a different way. If I was the parent, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have made that choice. But what do I know? Number three, feel justified in their own responses. They want to gain favor when they see another sibling lose favor. If we can capitalize on the sibling's mistake, we can use that to leverage the parent for more blessing. Well, I just can't believe they did that. I know I'd never do that. Ultimately, in all three of these responses, we want to control our relationship with the Father. We want to be in control of this situation. We want, to, we want God to be controllable. If I know enough about God, I can do the right things and not get in trouble. Or, or two, I can negotiate my way out of an uncomfortable situation. If I just have more information, more facts, I can say, well, you didn't treat him that way, so why are you treating me this way? Or three, I can launch a proper defense for my actions or inactions. I can justify. Ultimately, we want to worship a small God, a predictable God, a God that we don't have to fear or wonder about. What we really want is a God that will fit within our own little paradigm. We want a, a God that we can manipulate to get what we want. Because after all, at the core of who we are, we long to be God. We long to be the center of our own little kingdoms. This is a conversation that came up in our last missional community. We, we desire to be the center. And it's a constant fight within ourselves to remember that we are not the center. We are not God. God is all-powerful. God is all-sovereign, all-glorious, outside of time and space, holy and good in all of His ways, unfathomable, unreachable, completely perfect, beautiful, and magnificent. We, we are none of those things. We cannot anticipate God or measure God or control God or manipulate God or judge God. And if we are completely honest with ourselves, those responses are at the heart of many of our motivations. As we look at the story of Cain and Abel, those responses are at the heart of Cain. You see, you and I, we should be able to see glimpses of ourselves in Cain this morning. We long to be able, but if we are honest, we can see ourselves in Cain. Cain's desire is our desire. We want to be God. It was the first sin. In the very beginning, Adam and Eve wanted to be like God. Now, don't get hung up on the murder of a brother. Most of us have never killed anyone, but don't let that point allow you to dismiss the story. This story is not about the murder of Abel. 
As terrible as that was, this story is about our Father. More specifically, it's about our Father's grace and His patience and His love for His rebellious children. Verses 3 and 4 set up the display of God's grace for His children. Cain and Abel had brought their offerings to God, and this would have been an act of worship for the brothers. Abel gives his best, and God is pleased. The text here, had regard for, means that God looked at Abel's offering, and he was happy with it. He was pleased with it. He gave it attention. Cain shows up with something less than his best, and God is not pleased. You see, Cain was the center of his kingdom, He kept the best for himself and gave God something less. Cain gave out of a duty and obligation. Abel, he gave out of adoration. God was at the center of Abel's kingdom. He brought God his best. He held nothing back because he loved his father. And genuine love produces faith. Abel's faith, generated by his love for his father, enabled a God-honoring sacrifice. But Cain, Cain was angry. And not just angry, Moses uses the word very angry. That translates the very into powerful or strong. Cain was hot with anger. He was enraged. Think about that for a minute. God, or Cain did not show love to his father. He gave him something less than his best. And when he saw that God was not pleased, instead of humility and sorrow or even shame or guilt, we see anger and rage. When we are the center of our own lives and things don't go our way, this is typically our response. Because we are God, right? When our kids don't obey or they do something embarrassing in public, they are embarrassing their God. How dare they? When our spouses don't do what we expect them to do or want them to do, we get angry, right? Because we are God. Do they not recognize our deity? When work doesn't go the way we want it to or traffic is causing us to be late, we get angry, The people around us do not recognize our deity. Don't they know who I am? I am the center. I'm God. When we become the center of our own little kingdoms and those around us don't realize that we are God, we get angry. And Cain, Cain got very angry. So angry that he lured his brother out into a field and killed him. Now, here's the sad thing about the story. God saw Cain's anger bubbling up. He looked at Cain, and he saw the rage starting to build in Cain's heart. And he treated him with love and grace. Cain, I see that you're angry, but you need to be careful. Sin is crouching at your door. If you don't deal with your anger in a godly way, then you open the door, and you will fall. Our Father shows Cain grace and mercy and compassion in a moment where his son was not pleasing him. When his son had shown up with no faith and no love and no affection for his father, his father shows him love and affection and grace. 
And then we see the same love and grace for a rebellious son again in verse 9. Cain has killed his brother at this point, and the father comes walking in the field. Isn't this picture reminiscent of Adam and Eve? They sinned, and the father comes walking in the garden. And it's the same question to, to Cain that he had asked of Eve. What have you done? Just as the father had cursed the ground, Adam and Eve would walk and exiled them from the garden. He curses the ground that Cain would work and exiles him from the father's presence. But he also shows the same grace to Cain as he did Adam and Eve. The father made clothing for Adam and Eve to cover their shame. And he promised them that a savior would come from their family. Cain was a farmer. It was all that he knew. And now the land would not yield any produce for him. But the father promised that he would warn others not to bring any harm to Cain. He would protect him. Even though Cain would have to pay for his own actions, God would still protect him. He was showing him grace. But in his heart of hearts, Cain wanted to be first. He wanted to be in control and he wanted the praise. He wasn't content with his lot in life. And when his proper place became painfully clear, he sinned. The, the same pattern is true of you and me. When we are reminded that we aren't in control, when we aren't the center of others' attention and affection, if we don't catch it and repent, sin crouches at the door. It may not be rage for you. Maybe it's manipulation or depression that leads to overeating or thoughts of hurting yourself. Whatever it is for you, there's a cost to our sinfulness. Cain experienced it in leaving his home, his family, his work, and his God. He would be cast out from all he had known because of his wickedness. But God's grace to Cain, even in Cain's disobedience, is the power in this story. And that's no different than our stories, you and I. We all have stories, right? If we arranged the chairs and kind of sat in a circle, we could share stories of our foolishness and disobedience and faithlessness. But I bet we could also share the same stories of grace and mercy and forgiveness that we've experienced with our Father. When the kids were younger, one of them had done something wrong, and I had already had a bad day, and I was angry and frustrated, and I'd become a disappointed God. And then there was disobedience from one of my children. My response was not gracious. It was not loving. It was harsh. It was very harsh. And seconds after it was over, I realized that I had crushed my child's heart and her bottom. I went in and I confessed my sin to this little five-year-old. And she said, it's okay, Daddy. I forgive you. She extended grace. You see, you and I, we have the power to extend grace to one another because we have experienced that same grace from our Father. Today, God extends grace to you. Think of it. Adam and Eve plunged the entire world and all of unredeemed history into death and darkness and destruction. Two people plunged the entire world into death. Cain murdered his own brother because he was angry at God. What have you done that is so bad that God will not show you grace? 
Can your sin compare to the thousands and thousands of years of death and destruction that Adam and Eve caused? Have you been the cause of any of that kind of death and destruction on that kind of a scale? No, you haven't. You have not. No matter how bad you are, no matter what stupid things you have done, you have never done anything like that. God extends the same grace to you that he did to Adam and Eve and Cain. And that's good news, right? You, you see, this grace that God shows them, this same grace that he shows you and I, he shows that grace to us because of the work of Jesus. Christian, read the story of Cain and Abel and of Adam and Eve and realize that God's grace and faithfulness is bigger than your sin and rebellion. Be reminded that sin is crouching at the door, whether you are struggling with anger or jealousy or lack of contentment or faithlessness. The Father reminds you today that He is enough. Being in His presence is enough. Serving in His kingdom and realizing that He is the one who sits on the throne is enough. The blood of the Lamb is enough. Live in that peace. Find your joy and your identity in your Father, not in your failures. You are now sons and daughters of the Most High King, and that is amazing. Think about that for a second. If you are a believer this morning, think about it. You are a son or daughter of the Most High King. That is amazing that we have that kind of relationship. If you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never knelt your heart before the throne of grace, I invite you to do that today. You see, when Adam and Eve plunged mankind into darkness, sin broke the world. Sin corrupted our hearts and desires and motivations. Sin destroyed the sweet communion that the Father desired to have with us. And we have no way of fixing that. We can never know enough or do enough or follow the right rules to correct it. We are lost and without hope, but Jesus. Jesus lived the perfect life, died the sacrificial death that you and I could never do, but deserved. Jesus rose from the grave, defeating sin and death, and returned to our Father. It's in Jesus that we find our hope, our peace, our relationship with our Father. Repent and believe. Give the burdens you carry to Jesus, because God's faithfulness and His grace is bigger than your sin and rebellion. So as you walk away today, as you interact with people around you, remember the grace and the faithfulness that God has extended to you. And extend that grace and faithfulness to others. Remind yourself that you are not God. You are not God. If you're a redeemed sinner, then that's what you are. You are a redeemed sinner. You are not God. So extend that same grace to those in your life. Be reminded of who you are. Yes, you are a son and daughter of the king, but you are a son and daughter. You are not the king. God continues to show us grace and faithfulness over and over and over. Today, you are going to do something that's pretty stupid. You're going to say something that's offended somebody. You're going to be hard-hearted about something. You're not going to be compassionate. You're not going to be gracious. 
You're not going to be generous. You're going to do something stupid today, most likely. Remember that God shows you grace because of the work of Jesus, and that empowers you to show grace to others. Let's pray. Father, you are good and gracious in all of your ways. Father, I thank you for me personally, God, to be reminded of grace. Father, so often I get into this works performance mentality that I'm not doing enough or working harder or I'm not gentle enough or gracious enough, God, but I can remember that you forgive me as I repent, as I come back to your throne. God, you show me grace after grace after grace. Father, I pray that that same grace that you show me, I'll be reminded of and I will extend to others. Father, we we love you. And we pray, Father, you would continue to do that work in who we are. God, we would look back at the story of Cain and Abel and we'll be reminded of even in a tragic situation, you extended grace. Yes, he paid for what he had done, but you extended grace. We love you. We commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from New City Church Milledgeville, located in Milledgeville, Georgia. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about New City Church Milledgeville, please visit us online at www.newcitymilledgeville.org.